Hello, and welcome to Telling Everybody Everything, Mauritius edition. You will be able to perhaps hear the waves, though I am in my hotel room, being white as a ghost, just following St. Patrick's Day, keeping it Irish, whilst the rest of the family are outside. When I say the rest of the family, I mean Violet and Bobby. Fred is with his babysitter, Miriam, whom we love very much, and we brought along controversially. I was like, oh... What is wrong? Like, I'm sorry, I hate to judge, but I do judge people who go on holiday with their kids and I don't see the parents ever with their kids. I see the kids either in the play club or being pushed around by the nanny and I'm like, why did you bring them? I like to spend time with my kids. I know some people don't have the luxury of being able to do that, but I mean, they're full on and everybody wants to do something different. So sometimes we all come together and do some stuff. Other times we just accept that we have separate interests. Fena is inside with me, hopefully asleep in this little, oh, there's a designer <clears throat> called Paz Rodriguez, and I have a little baby cocoon. A lot of people have asked me what I put inside the bugaboo stroller. Sometimes it's called a foot muff, and sometimes it's called uh, a baby nest. I didn't know what it was called, but I searched for it because I knew what I wanted. It's like a soft cocoon sort of thing that you can put in a car seat or in a buggy or just at the side for a baby to be in. I think like with most baby products, the advice is not to let them sleep in it, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, you know, it's an infant. Don't leave an infant unattended anywhere is my motto. Then is asleep in there. Let's see how long that lasts. I'm sort of trying to teach her to sleep not in my arms, but it's not going well. And my breastfeeding has not been going well in Mauritius either. I'll get to that shortly. We decided to go on this tropical holiday mostly because Bobby and Violet love the sun. It's been miserable weather in England. We went to the Maldives about four years ago before the babies were born and that was really really hot but really amazing. I was able to dress like a beekeeper. You know how I feel about SPF and sun protection and Bobby didn't want to go to the same place twice. Violet agreed. They were like well let's try Seychelles or Mauritius. So now we're in Mauritius, but we had to travel. I mean, it's 11 hours on a plane with two small babies. Bobby and I are man on man. Once again, I do have friends who are like, no, you put the babies with the nanny and coach. And I was like, that's insane. We did fly business. Bobby and I did with the babies because the babies are free. Fred is still under two, so we don't have to pay for his ticket until mid-June. We should really, I feel, capitalize on that. And then we put Violet and the babysitter, Miriam, in economy. Because I thought, do you know what? Economy on Mauritius Airlines is still really nice. They can relax, watch telly, have a sleep, and they won't have to look after or listen to any babies. Like all the people in business really rolling the dice. It's terrible walking on a plane with two small babies, especially into business class. People are like, fuck you. And it's like, well, guess what? People with families fly business sometimes too, and we're going to do our best to keep the babies quiet. This was an overnight flight, and I feel like it went pretty well. Fred was, I mean, very excited because he's super vehicle-focused right now. So as soon as he got on an airplane, he was like, oh, airplane, like we've been speaking about it for three weeks. Bobby has really been prepping him with the schedule, like we're going to go to the airport and we're going to have a snack. We're going to put our jammies on. We're going to get inside the airplane. So he knew that he was inside an airplane and he was absolutely jazzed. 
Also, it is the first time that we have ever presented Fred with an iPad. He loves the iPad. Uh, my dad and his, my stepmom Cheryl had just visited us, and my dad has an iPad that he's like glued to. I think a lot of like, you know, boomers love an iPad because the phone's slightly too small for them. They just carry this iPad around. My tour manager, Annie, she talks about her mom loving the iPad and saying, oh, I read on the iPad. Did you hear on the iPad? So she won't refer to any specific news organization. She'll just be like, oh, word on the iPad is there's a war. So, I mean, toddlers and the elderly have a lot in common. Fred has been loving this iPad exactly like my dad, Violet downloaded kids YouTube for him so he's able to click on things. My good friend Jen, who is shadow banned from Instagram at the minute for posting a photo of me pregnant, please follow her, Jennifer Mahalski Bray style. Um, she has two small children and she recommended a bunch of games and apps. So we had Fred like totally stocked up and he wasn't crying. He was happy, but nuts, you know, like too excited to be on a plane. And this is the type of flight where people are looking to eat their dinner have a little aperitif and go to sleep. Fred was not about the sleep. We were afraid of the wrong thing as it turns out. We thought that Fred was going to cry or wake up. No, no, he just fully was happy and thrilled and didn't want to sleep. So I think Bobby was a bit frustrated with that. Um, luckily, I'm all, always holding Fenna like, well, can't really help. Gotta hold Fenna. That has just been a breeze for me the last three months, though I think my time in the sun is coming to an end. Uh, I think I'm going to have to get back on Fred duty. But for now, I mean, Bobby was just, uh, well, this is the thing. Bobby has a whiskey before he flies. And I said, having a whiskey while being in charge with a toddler is really not the best because it's going to make you sleepy and it's going to make you frustrated if he won't let you sleep. You've got to have your wits about you when in charge of small children. When Violet was small, I didn't drink at all for years. And I'm not saying Bobby was drunk, but even if you are the slightest bit inebriated and something kicks off in a high pressure situation, like a flight, then you need to be, you know, firing full cylinders. And Violet was a tricky baby, just like Fred is a tricky baby. Um, you can't even have one drink. You can't. It makes you, unless everything, unless you know everything you, that day is going to be smooth sailing, it's not worth it. So Fred wouldn't sleep. Finally, this steward, this wonderful steward came over and very kindly offered Bobby an olive branch. He said, hey, there are two free business class seats right over there. Why don't you and your enormous son, who happens to be under two, therefore doesn't have his own seat. Why don't you guys, I mean, you can purchase a seat for an under two, by the way, but in business class, you shouldn't need to. Um, he goes, why don't you guys take those two free business class seats so you can each have a bed. And I was like, oh, that's a great plan, Bobby. That's amazing. And Bobby's like, nope, I'm staying right here next to my wife. And I don't know. I mean, Bobby says it's because he wouldn't have trusted himself to fall asleep in one bed and have Fred right beside him, even asleep in the other bed in case he rolled off or something. But I feel like he knew that Fenna and I would be just too happy to have him move a few rows away from us because with Fred like climbing around and getting excited not sleeping he was a risk to fena like he always is he could always fall into her crash into her at any minute so i was on high alert helping as well talking to fred shielding fred's like jumps with my arm making sure that he doesn't crush me holding fena oh if you're traveling with an infant another thing in addition to the 
Pal Rodriguez or Paz Rodriguez. I'm sorry I'm getting the designer wrong. Uh, little baby cocoon. I brought my Docatot breastfeeding pillow. There are a range of breastfeeding pillows, different, you know, prices and brands and everything, but I love the Docatot one and it was a godsend on the flight. I basically held Fena on the breastfeeding pillow and that gave my arms such a rest. I can't imagine holding her because we didn't have the bassinet or anything. Not that Fena would go in it, but holding her for 12 hours would have been sore on the arms. The breastfeeding pillow just, oh, gave her a place to lay on me, gave my elbows a place to rest. It was money in the bank. It was a great packing essential. Uh, yeah, so Bobby refused the seat. He was like, no, I'm staying next to my wife. Finally, Fred fell asleep and he and Bobby were just like not comfortable. They, the two of them can't really fit even in one business class bed because, I mean, I think I think I could have. I, I mean, I think a mother could sleep with five kids luxuriously reclined in a business class bed. But Bobby and Fred are like, I don't know, like two T-Rexes. So they tossed and turned and it did not go that well. Um, everything was fine with Fana, except, you know, she breastfeeds throughout the night and I couldn't lay down. I was sat up the whole flight holding her. So, you know, I didn't sleep that well either. Fine. We made it. By the end of the flight, neither baby had really kicked off or cried. We hadn't disturbed anyone else. All in all, I would say it was a good flight. But something Bobby and I have learned about ourselves is that we don't remember anything being bad ever. As soon as something's done, we're always like, well, that's done. That was fine. And it was it was not that fine. You know, it was like high stress the entire time. But it went okay. This stress of the flight, the worry, is I think what affected my milk supply. Well, it's one of two elements that affected my milk supply. I show a lot of breast pumping, breastfeeding on my socials, and I know a lot of you get in touch with me and you're like, oh, Catherine, I wish that I could produce that much. How are you making so much milk? I produce like, you know, less than some people, more than others. I don't know, like pretty much five ounces every time I pump. When I breastfeed, I have no idea how much I produce. Um, but there are people messaging me being like, oh, I'm lucky to get one ounce. I don't understand how you get that much. What are you eating? What are you doing? Nothing. I just live my life. I eat everything except gluten. I drink lots of water. I drink lots of coffee. I drink lots of wine. I drink lots of juice. I just do whatever I want. But when I landed, <clears throat> my boobs were really, really full. Because in addition to breastfeeding Fena, I always pump and put some milk in the freezer. So I have an oversupply. And she wasn't drinking enough on the flight to, you know, totally empty my breasts. Couldn't wait to get to the hotel. Could not wait. There's like an hour drive from the airport. We check in. Everything's really beautiful. Oh, hello. Sorry about that. Fred came in and now it's actually going to be extremely loud because I never get more than 10 minutes to myself. And I have relocated to the balcony. It's a couple hours later. Fena's out here with me. She's about to wake up. Um, this is a whole separate nap for Fena. You know, oh, the pump is probably right in your ear too. Shit, I should put that down. Okay. The family forgot it was Mother's Day. They forgot it was Mother's Day. Now, granted, Bobby's Canadian. Violet is British though, and she should know that today, Sunday, is Mother's Day. I didn't even get so much as a well done. That wasn't working either. Now we're back in the flat. It's a whole new day. It is no longer even Mother's Day, so it's not relevant. I swear to God, who is still listening to this podcast? 
I should get a babysitter and just go to a studio like everyone else and do my podcast there. But for some reason, I don't. It's not possible for me. It doesn't work with my lifestyle. Oh, yes, Fena. So back to the pump. We get to the hotel. I open my bag. I cannot fucking believe that I have brought, forgotten a key part to the pump. I brought the main pump. It's this one that you plug in. A lot of people have asked me what pump I use. It's called Spectra. I've used different ones in the past. I like the LV one for being wireless, but with big boobs. I don't know. People have told me they've had issues with it. I don't think... I personally don't think that LV worked reliably enough for me and for my friends who owned it. It was amazing when it worked. It is the right way towards a great product and a great decision, but there was this one suction element that sometimes wouldn't work. And Laura Whitmore very famously posted a picture of her enormous engorged breasts on a job. She was away from her baby for the first time. She posted it again on Mother's Day yesterday. And um, oh my God, anyone who's breastfed and has been without their baby or a pump knows that feeling. I don't know what kind of pump Laura was using, but she just said, I was away from my baby. My pump broke. These are my tits. And you you need a fail safe. I would say you need one of these portable, no electronics, no bells and whistles pumps for emergencies on you always or a travel pump that is manual and the electronic ones are fancy and great but if you forget a part i always oh when we went to la i forgot the valve it's such a small stupid part and it meant that i couldn't pump um, milk for fred and i had to buy one when we landed so i get to this hotel room i've packed my spectra after the mistake in la there's no way i'm gonna forget a pump part again of course it's not in there and the lovely concierge well, I don't know what these guys' names are. You know, they're sort of like guest services. They're assigned to your room. You're on a WhatsApp with them. They're always like, oh, hello. What can we do for you during your stay? They'll help you with whatever you need, plan excursions, this and that. This guy's talking to me, and he doesn't realize that I have not pumped in like 14 hours at this point. And I'm digging around in my bag, and he's like, oh, yes, madam, and we have this and that. And I'm like tuning him out, just trying to find this pump panicking sort of quietly to myself as the seconds tick by and I feel like I haven't packed the main part. I had washed it, sterilized it and put it, you know, and I do this with stuff. I put stuff in a special place. I go, this is incredibly special. This goes here. And then I don't remember where that place is. I'm like a squirrel. Like squirrels love acorns and they bury them so no one's going to steal them and then they don't remember where they are and that's how we have trees. I learned that from Sarah Silverman's comedy. But this is me with special things jewelry money bank cards like anything i need that's special i will hide it on myself <clears throat> i put the key pump part sterilized on the kitchen counter last to go in the bag didn't put it in the bag and now i'm realizing this and bobby looks at me from the other room where he's speaking to another guest services person and he can see by the look on my face that i don't have my pump i thought about crying of course i did but crying wasn't going to solve anything which is actually what my mother used to say to us when we were small and it's true. Crying is not going to solve anything. And I'm not someone who panics. I like to, you know, focus and maybe take myself away from the group until I have figured out how to solve a problem. But um, I, I turned to the guy and I just said, I need a pharmacy. 
And he's like, oh, well, we can send someone out for you. And I looked on my map while I'm speaking to him. The nearest pharmacy was not near. But when you stay in a really nice hotel, they do have guest services to run out and get you stuff at a charge, obviously. But like it can be done and they're so accommodating and I'm so appreciative for that. So the guy's like, don't worry, my daughter just had a baby. I understand what a pump is. I'll send someone out. And this round trip, I don't know, probably took two hours. And I, the hardest part about it was I didn't know how long it was going to take. And Fenna lately has been a bit finicky with the breast. She has realized that it's easier to drink from a bottle. And she still breastfeeds, especially at night. But when she wants, I don't know, like Fred would only drink cold breast milk from a bottle. And when he realized how easy it was to drink that, he never wanted the breast again. And that was my fear with Fenna, but she kind of does both. Uh, people have also asked me, how do you get her to do both? Because I'm trying to leave my newborn with her grandparents. I'm trying to go back to work. And um, to tell you the truth, I never did anything to get any of my kids to take the bottle or the breast. There were times when Violet refused the bottle. There were times when Fenna has refused the breast and Fred is just bottle and he still drinks milk even though he's 21 months not breast milk anymore but he likes a bottle to fall asleep and like do you know <clears throat> it's all fine whatever they want to do officially it's not great for fred's teeth to still be having a bottle but like we don't have options with fred that's what he wants to do fine so this guy goes out everyone else starts checking into the their rooms you know opening their bags really relaxing and i was just out on the terrace with Fenna, like stewing. And I could tell that Bobby was slightly scared. He's like, I'll just leave you alone. Like he's learned how to deal with my moments of disappointment, just distance himself from me. And I didn't touch a bag, I didn't do anything, I didn't have a drink. I was just like, I'm sitting out here until the pump arrives. The pump arrived. And I was a little bit disappointed to see that it was a manual pump because I wanted, I don't know, I have been using this Spectra electronic one. He got me the Advent manual. When I say manual, you squeeze it. You literally milk yourself like a cow. I mean, well, that's what it is with any pump. I saw it and I thought, okay, here goes nothing. But my boobs were so rock hard and so full. It was such a relief to start using it. It was working, thank God. That's the main thing. I'm not sure if it works as well as the other one, but I mean, it's great. It's great. And now I've learned a lesson three babies in i've learned a lesson why are you packing a massive electronic pump this advent manual one i think you know obviously they have different brands medela probably do one and i don't know if spectra even do one but bring when you travel a manual fucking pump and do you know what i'm going to do from now on so i'm going to check the pump my new routine is going to be pump an ounce of milk as you leave the house to make sure that all the parts are there and the pump is working but then you'd have to go back and sterilize it again. Listen, it's worth the risk. <clears throat> That's what I'm doing. I'll sterilize it again at the airport. So um, the pump is here. That's great. But I'm not producing as much milk as before. I don't know if that's pump related or if it's heat related. Uh, I tried to Google like what makes breast milk suddenly drop. And the main thing that, you know, everything will say, it's not about how much water you drink. It's not about this. It's not about that. It is about your hormones and cortisol, the stress hormone, is one thing that will really stop the production of breast milk, which is annoying because the less milk you produce, the more stressed you are. But I think traveling with the babies and everything might have made me slightly stressed, might have spiked my cortisol. I don't know. So just the other day, 
I sent the concierge out again. I said, I need some emergency baby formula just in case. Because I had a feeling that I was going to run out of milk or just come to the end of the day and just be a few ounces short. <clears throat> and I don't know how much fun is getting when she breastfeeds. But when she takes a bottle, I don't know. She still drinks so much less than Fred. She just kind of cluster feeds still throughout the day. She'll have two or three ounces at a time. Sometimes one. Like, she's dainty. But by the end of the day, <clears throat> I am producing exactly enough to feed her. So it would be nice to have a little safety net of formula. And you can feed your baby's formula. You can feed your baby's formula from birth. But I have a real issue with it for some reason. Ask Bobby. I mean, breast milk to me is such a serious subject. So the infant formula came. And the first day that it came, I did not use it. But the second day that it came, Fena had total three ounces of this baby formula, which is not a lot. She had two at one point and then one at another point just to top her up. And then yesterday she had one ounce of baby formula. So total in her life, Fena has had four ounces now of this Mauritian baby formula. <clears throat> and it's scary to give them that for the first time because you don't know if they have a milk allergy. You don't know if they're even going to take it. So far, so good. No reactions. And my milk is really replenishing. Like, it's coming back. Um, one day in the middle of those went by where she had no formula at all. And right now, I've got a bottle ready for her with five ounces of breast milk. So, I mean, we'll be all right. I think we'll be all right on the milk front. But it's touch and go. And I feel like if you're someone like me and you want to exclusively breastfeed or combination bottle and breastfeed breast milk... I think you just can't give up like if that's what you want and it doesn't have to be what you want but I just keep at it like the more my milk goes down the more committed I get to the cause and they say the best thing to do is just tell your body that you need more milk by pumping as often as you can and when the milk stops coming pump some more just to tell your body like hello and um and yeah I think I can get my supply back up this happened I had a dip in supply with Fred I had a dip in supply with Violet at some point so I mean whatever right Fana? Fana's happy now so while in the resort i fell down the stairs holding Fana. i wasn't holding her in my arms she was in my carrier this is not a product placement for the carrier um but it is a placement for this amazing initiative that we're doing at acast is to raise awareness for two wonderful charities uh, that's money and awareness for suicide and co in the uk and turn to me in ireland that's turn number two me in ireland um i know that a lot of people are finding themselves in a weird financial situation at the minute so to ensure um that you can listen to this bonus episode that i'm doing for these charities um there's a low low tier of one pound or one euro to listen to this content so I'm going to do a bonus episode that you can find um, available, I think, in my feed behind a paywall, though. It's using Acast. Um, there are going to be lots of different podcasters doing these special episodes to raise awareness and money for these charities. It's behind a paywall, and they've said, oh, you can do it about mental health, or you can just do something lighthearted, you know, to lift the mood. A lot of people sometimes need the mood lifted. So I'm going to put the story about me falling down the stairs behind this charity paywall. Again, you can donate as much or as little, the lowest tier is one pound or one euro to listen to this episode. The episode is called Falling Down the Stairs. 
It was rainy in Mauritius, and yes, I fell down the stairs, and lots of wildness ensued from that. Do not worry, I wasn't hurt. Fana, of course, was not hurt. Um, it wouldn't be a funny episode if, if we were hurt, but I mean, I think one thing I've learned about the British people, they love watching someone fall down. So please listen to my charity episode, Falling Down the Stairs. You can find that in my feed or at Acast, along with so many others, raising money and awareness for suicide and co in the UK and turn to me in Ireland. I hope you listen to those and I would love to be telling you the falling down the stairs story here, but I had to save something for that. And it really is a good story. It involves, you know, intrigue, a bit of a murder mystery. If you ask Violet, um, we're very sad because Violet is going home today. She's going home with the babysitter two days before we go because we're here for a very private family wedding by the way I haven't posted pictures of it or done anything like that because not everyone in our family is as ostentatious um, as we are and wants to be posted on my Instagram which is full of perverts and foot fetishists but we've had an amazing time Violet has commitments at school and she's about to go on a big ski trip with her school as well so she's really excited she's got to get back And it's weird. It's weird to split the family up. We love having Violet here. And she's actually so funny now. Like, everything that comes out of Violet's mouth is fucking hilarious. Um, Though, you know, sometimes it's a slam. Like, we, I don't know, our sense of humor in this family is very unique. And it is weird that Bobby blends in with us so perfectly. I don't know. It's like we've been a family our whole lives. But related. Do you know what I mean? Like, Bobby and Violet and me are like three sisters, (laughs) if that makes any sense. Yeah, it is. Do you know what? That's what it is. It's like the recreation of my life growing up with sisters. It's like we play and we laugh and we, well, no, that's not true. I think I fought with my sisters far more. I don't know. I don't know what my relationship is with these people. Because I mean, no, Bobby's not like my family. Like I fancy him. And Violet is not like my sister. She's my daughter. But like we just have a different dynamic. There's very little discipline going on but it needs to Violet's a teenager now every once in a while we go down to the hotel bar and she orders a virgin pina colada and they're like pina colada and she's like virgin pina colada like oh how old does this girl look it's creepy and she's gonna start probably drinking soon and they're going to be romantic partners around and I'm just so grateful that we have Bobby in our lives for this season of our lives because I don't think I would have handled it that well on my own. I really don't. I don't know what I would have done wrong. I don't know, but it it would have been wrong. I'm basically lost. Like I'm very good at raising toddlers, very good with babies, but then I just lose it. Teenagers, I just don't know what to do with them. I don't know if anybody does. So these two have been making fun of me the whole trip, which is actually quite hurtful. And I don't get hurt that easily but it pisses me off and I know there's banter in our relationship and we laugh when we make fun of each other but we didn't know anything about Mauritius when we came here I still don't really understand the history of why they speak the languages that they do of course all of our languages and history will have to do with some sort of colonization or invasion or slave trade you know it's it's not like pretty why a lot of the world speaks English But Bobby just chose Mauritius, and we were busy, and we came. I did no research. And then as soon as we landed, oh la la, nous avons remarqué, et parle en français ici. Bobby and Violet hate when I am in any 
French-speaking community. They don't want to listen to me speak French. Bobby tells me all the time that I don't know how to speak French. Meanwhile, he doesn't speak a word of French. We went to the same school, so you do the math on that. And Violet is just embarrassed by it. So I feel that I need to practice my French. No one speaks French to me, and I grew up francophone. Every time I meet someone French or I go somewhere French, I'm so excited to get like immersed in the language because words come back to me. Words come back and I get so excited. Like the other day, our toilet wasn't working and that was a real problem because, I mean, I didn't know it wasn't working and I foolishly used the toilet. And you know, the Catherine Ryan comedy brand is not a lot about toilet humor, but you know, suffice to say, I didn't want anyone coming up to the room and being confronted with this toilet, but I had to call down to maintenance. And I called down, I said, oh, um, désolé, il y a quelque chose avec la toilette, ça ne, um, ça ne fonctionne pas, which I was trying to tell them it doesn't work. And it's not that it was clogged or anything, it just, the buttons on the toilet did nothing. Like they were not connected to anything that would even attempt to flush the toilet. And the woman on the other line said, oh, ça marche pas? And I was like, oh yeah, ça marche pas. That's how you say it. it's not working. And when someone does that, I get so excited. Or like sometimes I'll just be thinking because I don't know, the way French is taught in England is totally wrong. And this is one of the reasons why my daughter doesn't speak French. One of the reasons is because I didn't teach her. But the other reason is because the schools talk to you in English while they're trying to teach you French. And the worksheet is in English with French questions. That doesn't make any sense. If you're going to learn a language, you have to think in that language. And I think that's what I get excited about. So I'll be like, oh, um, est-ce que je peux avoir, or uh, puis-je avoir, s'il vous plaît, de l'eau, de l'eau, boy. I just thought of the word boiled. I just thought of it because I was in the mode of speaking in French. Now, that's not a hard word. It sounds a lot like the English word, I will say, but that's my example. The more I speak French, my, I can like feel my brain lighting up. My darkened, atrophied, idiot brain is lighting up and words are coming out and I'm remembering words and I get so excited about that. But it's difficult for me to do that when the family is making fun of me. So I ring down about the toilet. Oh, it's that marche pas, yeah. So instead of sending maintenance, who do they send? But like the guest services guy who knows me, who sees me all the time in the hotel, who waves at me, who I'm on a WhatsApp with, who helped with my breast pump. And he's like, oh, madame, let's take a look at your toilet. I was like, please do not take a look at the toilet, please. I said, all you need to know is that the buttons are not functioning at all. You need to send maintenance up. And he's like, well, I'm going to investigate this. And I was like, okay. So then I threw Bobby right under the bus. I said, well, I don't know what's really happened. Meanwhile, I've clearly just been in there. My hair is wet. I'm like fresh out of the shower. Bobby's not home. And I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, mon mari, my husband, mon mari m'a dit que, que quelque chose est um, brisé, broken, parce que, uh, oh, il a, il a utilisé uh, la, chambre, la chambre de bain et il est départé pour le golf. He went to the bathroom and then he went to golf. So I said, I don't know what's going on in there. It's just Bobby told me something's wrong. And then he went to golf. Bye. And then I ran the fuck away with the kids and I went down to the pool. But he was in there. He was in there for ages while I was getting the kids ready. He was in the very small, it's one of these bathrooms where it's a huge open plan bathroom with showers and a bathtub and his and her sinks and a big wardrobe. And then there's like that one small toilet only room where you can shut the door. And I guess in a hotel setting, that's so that one person can be on the toilet with the door shut and it doesn't shut down the entire bathroom. Like other people can still be 
like grabbing something or I don't know. I don't know what these rooms are about, but he was in, he was literally in the tiny box of a room with the door closed. So it's like him and the toilet and a closed door. And that is not a place that I would want anyone to be. And I was like, holy shit, what is he doing? Like, what does he need to investigate? He's not a maintenance man. Why is he in there? I told him what I need. Get the fuck out. Just get out. So he's in there on the phone being like, oh, the toilet is bien brisé, ça ne marche pas. I'm like, get the maintenance man here. And now I can never show my face in reception again. I mean, it was awful. And he still is like, hi, madame, how are you? I'm like, don't address me ever again. You and I both know what happened. I did my best to blame Bobby, but... He's too smart. If you can hear what's going on, the hotel keep apologizing. They're like, oh, you know, we had to do these works on the beach. Why don't you have a free safari excursion? Why don't you have a free like boat trip? There are loaders, drills, trucks, tractors, and diggers. Our beautiful suite, by the way, looks right onto the beach. And there are all these construction vehicles in the sand. And you can hear them and see them. And Fred is delighted. Anyone with a small toddler boy or a girl who likes construction vehicles, but listen, when they're born, they're very binary. Um, he's just loving it. He's just like watching all these trucks and like, oh, digger, loader, bulldozer. He loves it. So I'm sorry about the noise, but look, it is, it is delighting my son. <clears throat> so yeah, every person I speak French to, the family's furious. They roll their eyes like, oh, uh, uh, like audibly. And I feel like part of what's upsetting me about it is not only how rude it is to sneer at education, it's so rude, but also like how ignorant it is that these people hardly speak one language, Bobby and Violet, no offense. Like you hardly speak English, either of you. I receive your texts, Violet. <laughs> I see how they're spelled. I listen to the vocabulary that both of you choose to employ and uh, I'm not impressed. And here I am, really trying to educate myself, to refresh my brain. And they're like, oh my God. It just feels to me like that film, Idiocracy. Like they're just, <laughs> like they're the Wormwoods in the Matilda movie where they're like, Matilda, quit reading all those books. Get over here and eat your waffles or whatever. I hate it. And I said to them, honestly, because it's very difficult to get out of the mode of banter because we're always taking the piss out of each other i took them aside one evening i said why are you so triggered by me speaking french like, why do you hate it so much and they said well you're showing off you're showing off it's like when someone sings when someone's like ah, da, da. you're just like flexing yeah that's violet's word you're flexing that you can speak french and i had to explain to them first of all even if i was oh well why don't you learn a language and then you can speak it secondly i'm not flexing I flex all day, every day. That's all I do is flex and show off. I'm on stage. I have the podcast. I'm on television. Like I don't need to show off with no makeup on on holiday where I only know a little bit of this language. It's embarrassing, actually, how many mistakes I make in French. I am doing the opposite of flexing. I am humbly asking these people for help. I am asking them to let me practice so that I can learn. I'm just trying to learn. And it's so difficult when you have your family just harassing you every single time. Oh, here she goes again. And it's like, oh, all right then. Well, I'll just forget all my French. And do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to stop speaking French on this holiday now because everybody hates it. Also, I had a conversation with uh, one of the guys in the boutique 
And I was like, okay, je vais pratiquer mon français. Uh, c'est pas parfait. Je vais faire plusieurs fautes, mais il faut que je pratique. And then I spoke to him and I spoke to him and asked him for what I wanted. And he just kind of looking at me. And I thought, oh God, I've really fucked it. I've made too many mistakes. And he goes, oh, I don't speak French. I was like, oh, all right. Um, but yeah, in Mauritius, they speak English and they speak French and they speak a bit of Creole. And then a lot of them also speak Italian. Like anywhere you go, anywhere you go outside of North America, people speak multiple languages. And I'm going to show this family up by stopping my French on this holiday. Fine. They can have their way. I will speak Sarnia English. But when we return to the UK, you better believe that I'm enrolling in a university French course, which I already tried to do once in my neighborhood, but that college didn't offer French. But I'm going to find a place, not even online French. That's not going to work for me. I need to go to l'école with Fena strapped to me like I'm a teen mom. And I'm going to be in the class and raise my hand and listen because that's the only way you learn. And I need the teacher to speak French from the moment we walk in the door. I think I told you guys, or it's at least in my book, I peed my pants in kindergarten because I said to the teacher, may I please go to the toilet? And the teacher said, en français, Catherine. And I said, uh, yeah, don't know. Don't know what that's about. Can I please go to the toilet? And she was like, oh, en français, Catherine. And I was like, uh, lady, my parents just dropped me off here. We speak English at home. I have no idea what the sounds are coming out of your mouth. I'm four years old. Can I go to the toilet? And she was such a hard ass. She would not let me go until I asked in French. But this is my first day of school and I did not understand that everyone, I just was like, what the fuck is this place? And I peed my pants. And then you better believe I learned to speak French the next day. I was like, shit, these people are not kidding around. I better find out what sounds they're making and learn that. And uh, I'm going to learn a new language. I'm going to learn Italian on top of it. And then I'm going to take the family to Italy. <laughs> I don't know. I'm having fun though. Like it is sunny and hot and Fred and I are a little bit triggered by that. But it's a good time, and I don't know. Holidays, I kind of miss being at home with all my stuff. If you have small children, you know that taking them on holiday when you're the mom is just like, oh, great, I get to like decide what the most important things that we need are, pack all of those, make a huge mess, be somewhere different with like new dangers, i.e. falling down the stairs. Please listen to my episode behind the paywall. You can donate as much or as little as you like. Um, and it's a bit stressful, so... I'm excited to come home. I'm happy that we came here. I hope that Bobby and Violet feel like tanned and refreshed. And I'm glad that Fred has lots of loaders and backhoes and diggers to look at. Um, and Fred and I are doing okay, but I want to fly home to all the frozen milk in my freezer. But I'm happy to have you and all your emails. And now we're going to listen to a word from our sponsors. Come back and I'll answer all of your most burning questions curated by Joanne. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. 
A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW. A little note from Joanne to kick off the roundup. The week in review, Catherine. I love that she adds her little, like, editor's note. Terry Fox is still very much a thing. We received messages at telling everybody everything from Sarnia to Australia confirming its validity. Also, it's nearly time for a skin special. There is a stack of emails asking about skin and aesthetics. One writer, one writer wrote in, all right, Joanne, Someone wrote in to say she saw you out walking the other day and was astounded by how nice your skin was from across the road in person. <laughs> I actually like this roundup. Um, my skin is fucking beautiful. It really is. Like my, I look at my skin. I'm like, Catherine, you got one last thing going for you. Like a lot of other parts of my body are at the last chance saloon. But my skin is just like exactly like Fena's skin. I mean, it's fucking perfect. And I attribute that to my friend, Dr. Nina. I do get facials from her. Um, and these are not facials where they like wash your face. I have this brand new laser called the Lutronic from Dr. Nina. Um, she's, she's got a lot of different things going on over there. But also, I found this amazing Medispa in Hertfordshire, not far from where we live, which is crazy. Like they have Harley Street level aesthetics, but up in like North London for people in the countryside. And that's called Cheek Medispa. And I get my eyebrows done there by this amazing lady called Hannah. But then I also tried one of these deep ultrasound heating facials the other day. And it's my first try with it. So like, I don't know if it works, I'm going to keep going back there. But there are certain people who need resurfacing and stuff. I just don't need that. I don't know. And I attribute it to moisturizing SPF, but crucially, a pathological fear of the sun my entire life. Like, you can't be Violet's age burning your face in the sun. You can't. You can't be doing that. That is what causes, like, age spots and unevenness and wrinkles. Um, I'm never getting fillers again. I've decided. I think at a certain age, fillers look really bad. That's what starts to make you look masculine. I think it replaces volume where like you never had volume. It it changes your face at a certain age. If you're 20 years old, you want to play around with fillers, go ahead. But I think 40 plus, you got to be real careful. I'll be 40 this year. The fillers are done. Botox, I've had only a few times in my life, really. I get that from Dr. Nina. But ultimately, yeah, it's because I have never, ever, ever, ever had sun on my face. And genetics, I guess. So I mean, the sun, it's not worth it. Just fake tan your face and make an appointment with Dr. Nina. Okay, many of your fans are seemingly still in relationships for their potential, despite your vehement advice against this nonsense. (laughs) So Joanne's reading your emails and she gives me a roundup. She picks out ones that she thinks I should answer on the podcast, but then also she notices patterns and trends. And all of you, like without reading the same emails out every week, if you are dating someone because of who you think they might become, if, 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 if I could tweak this, if I could fix that in a year when he has this new job, oh, when he's a bit older, no, no, 
You cannot date for potential. I've done this. You've done this. Maybe you've learned from it. Maybe you haven't. I certainly have. Who you're dating now is who you're dating. That's the person they are. And that's probably the person they will always be past a certain age. All right. First email. Terry Fox, you are a spiritual magnet. Catherine, I know she'll tell you to cut this bit out. But Joanne, please leave it in. I'm a huge Catherine Ryan fan. I love the pod, love the shows, love the book, love the Insta stories. In general, I love you. I strive to be be more like you every day. (laughs) Joanne's left it in. Thank you, but pull out next time. You mentioned the weird coincidence of Terry Fox appearing randomly in your life last week. Things like this happen to me and my best friend all the time. We tried to Google what it means a million times with no success until my friend went to see a psychic or medium or some kind of spiritual type person and asked. She explained that we are magnets and that when these we signs appear, it's an indication that your life is moving in the right direction. They still happen all the time. And it's sort of comforting for both of us to know that it's a special spiritual gift and we're being given a sign that everything is going to be just right. Welcome to the Magnet Club. You'll notice it happening more and more every time, and it feels less weird every time and more lovely. We always laugh when we hear other people mention weird coincidences like you did, because we've been sending each other magnet stories for years. Ooh. So if you didn't listen last week, my sister mentioned Terry Fox, and I immediately went to the Canadian Embassy for an event, and the Terry Fox UK guy walked up to me. I was like, hey, and I had not heard that name in 20 years. Well, yeah, and this is why I always say don't mention your enemies, don't give them the time of day, all the bad things, like don't even say those things out loud. Don't complain, never complain, never explain. Talk about, think about the wonderful things because you could be a magnet too. All right, next email. Divorced and bird nesting. Is that what it's called? Sharing the family home. One of my friends is divorced and bird nesting. Bird nesting? Catherine, I'm hoping you would give me some honest advice or criticism or your opinion of bird nesting. I've never heard it before. Background. I'm 37. My husband's 40. We've been together since I was 19. We had our first child when I was 20 and our second when I was 23. Over the years, we've had ups and downs, but basically we've grown up together. He's a good guy. He's not perfect, but neither am I. My problem is, I feel like I live with my brother. We've not had sex since August of last year. Whoa. How long ago is that? I can't bear the thought of being sexually intimate with him. Hmm. We have nothing to talk about, just work, which is mind-numbing. He's very awkward socially, and he comes across as very rude if we're around other people. This has been a major issue, and now I avoid all social situations that he should be involved in. If I do attend, I make excuses as to why he's not there, and it's embarrassing, so I've decided to end our marriage. I don't want to be with him. I want to see what direction my life goes in without him. He would never make this decision, and would, I think, be happy just to stay as we are until we die. There's so many people like that. But I can't do it. I thought maybe I could, but I can't. So we own our home. We're mortgaged to the eyeballs. Neither of us would be able to buy the other out. I've looked into bird nesting, which is where the kids live in their home, our marital home, and we each take turns to live in the house with the kids and live somewhere else the rest of the time. 
I would go and live with my grandmother who lives alone and is needing some support. His parents have a flat that's empty, so he could live there, I'm sure. The kids are now 16 and 13, not young toddlers. I think that this arrangement would be good for them, and it would be unfair to expect them to do the moving around between parents. I haven't really spoken to anyone about it, though. I'm very much at the planning stage of even discussing this with my husband. I plan to talk to him very soon and ask, but I would like advice. Do you think this is viable? Or am I just a total C-U-N-T? I like that word, but some people don't, so I won't say it just in case. I won't say cunt. For not sticking with him after all this time. Well, first of all, you can't be in a situation that makes you unhappy. You can't. And I always think that putting yourself first in most scenarios, not all, but most scenarios, thoughtfully putting yourself first is also best for the people around you. What do they say on an airplane? They say, put your mask on first so that you can assist others. If you are being suffocated by this marriage, then you're not the best mother that you could be. You're not the best friend you could be. You're not the best self at work that you can be. Like you deserve the spark and the joy and the, you know, sexual intimacy with a partner that's well suited to you. And also a relationship that lasted 20 years or almost 20 years, and you have two grown children who've made it to teenagehood is a success. Any way you look at it, you don't hate your husband. He doesn't hate you. I mean, you've had a successful relationship. Does every successful relationship have to last until you die? Well, Hitler was with his partner, Ava Braun, until they died. Was that a successful relationship? No. So, I mean, leave. Yes, leave. It's a great idea to end this relationship. It's pretty clear, you know, once there's resentment and a lack of respect. I mean, you respect him, but, you know, you can't take him places. You don't want to fuck him. It's done. Um, I love this idea about bird nesting. I think when something makes financial sense and emotional sense for your kids, then it's a slam dunk. My friend's not bird nesting per se. She still lives with her husband. Like they don't have an extra place that they go to. And she likes it. She's like, well, it's great because he never tries to have sex with me anymore because he knows we're not together. And he's a really great person and we don't fight and we get along and our children like it and we can't afford to live alone. You know, it's perfect for her. And at first I was very judgmental of it. I was like, this is bad because something's going to happen. Like it's all nicey nice now, but what if you get a boyfriend or he starts seeing someone like I could see it turning on a dime and you live together. But I mean, it's been going on for three years now and I was wrong. They're both seemingly very happy. Their children are happy. It works. What you are suggesting is even another layer of separation where there's an extra house that everyone lives at. If his parents have an empty flat, he should absolutely go live there during his time away from the kids. And if you're happy to help your grandmother out, I think it's a great situation. But the grandma, I mean, that that could get in your grill a bit. Are you close enough with this husband where you guys could share his parents' empty flat? Meaning, you know, he goes there when he's not with the kids and you go there when you're not with the kids. Or is that too much? Because if you share ownership of everything else, the mortgage, the kids, you know, why not make this the bachelor pad slash bachelorette pad? Because what if you start seeing someone, you're not going to be like, do you want to come home and get sucked off at my grandma's house? No. No. Well, presumably you're seeing a guy who has a house. Hmm. Yes. 
I would not advise you to bring home a guy who doesn't have a house <laughs> um, or who's like needs to bang at your grandma's because he lives with his wife and kids as well. I love it. I think it's great. Well done you for, you know, really owning your feelings and creating something unconventional because a lot of people would not be creative enough to go, oh, bird nesting. If it works for you, if it works for your family, I say pitch it to the husband. It's fab. And not a lot of people are as creative as you, including your husband. I, I think it's a perfect idea. Do you know my friend Elizabeth and I used to walk around Ikea when her children, she has three small children. They're bigger now, but they used to be small. That's how children work. And I had just Violet. And we'd walk around and see the little Ikea displays, you know, where they would make like one little student flat or they'd make a studio apartment look so amazing. And she'd be like, oh, if we could just pool our money and like make a little flat like this, like a little hideaway and we could share it. And every once in a while, like one of us could go there and get away from our families and it would be tidy and there'd be no toys and there would be no man. And it would just be so awesome. Like you can go to Ikea or elsewhere with this man and kit out an incredible bachelor bachelorette pad. And who knows, like this arrangement, you guys might even have sex at handover in the bachelor pad. You might decide you fancy him all over again. And he might be lonely on his days away from the kids and like learn how to have a social life again. This is going to be great for everyone. Everyone. Because remember, if you are not fucking this man and you don't feel the way about him that you want someone to feel about you, then you're giving him a gift by releasing him because he could meet the person who like really wants to bang him. Do you know what I mean? You're standing in the way of that for him. So don't feel guilty. This is definitely what you need to do. Porn boundaries. Oh no, Catherine, I don't know how to put this, but I'm struggling. I'm meant to be marrying a man who I thought was the man of my dreams, but recently I found out he has a porn addiction or it's what I'm calling an addiction. Since having our son 14 months ago, I've caught him watching porn twice, but he had admitted to also watching porn at work and watching other times when I've gone to bed. I'm supposed to marry him in seven weeks and I don't know what to do. I spoke to him about it. I said it needs to get under control because it's affecting our sex life and he isn't coming as much as he used to. Oh, I see. So he's not ejaculating as much as he used to, barely anything sometimes. Oh, wait a minute. So do you mean like the volume of ejaculate is lower because he's like dust after jerking off all day? Is that what this sentence is supposed to mean to me? Or he's having sex with you without climaxing? Anything, barely anything. Yeah, she's talking about the volume of liquid. If I bring it up, he acts like a child and he walks away and says he isn't listening. I don't know what I meant to do. Oh, Mama Catherine is going to tell you that that's the big red flag, not the porn addiction, the stonewalling. So when someone walks away from you and dismisses anything that you feel is important to discuss in your relationship, then that is a really bad sign. That is avoidant. That is shutting down. That is stonewalling. It is very immature, very childish and childish, childish, childish. And it's a form of emotional abuse in some cases, like some extreme cases. Stonewalling is a big problem. Look it up. Avoidant attachment styles are a big problem. And it sounds to me like he's avoidant. He's avoiding intimacy with you. He's got this porn thing. And it's fine for some people. They don't mind their partners watching porn. I think watching porn twice in 14 months, like, I, I don't know. I'm very lucky with Bobby. He's just not into it at all. 
he views it as being like a problem and abusive and in many cases like the most searched porn stuff is like teen stuff like porn is not always awful but a lot of it is awful I think I mean I don't know I'm out of the game but um anything that is meaningful to you should be honored in your marriage and should be given it's a, uh, your husband's full attention and that is what I would be speaking to him about I think you guys need counseling big time before you get married you already have a son, so he's going to be in your life, but I would not marry a man who was stonewalling me. No, I wouldn't. And I think it's a lot more simple to cancel a wedding, even on the day of the wedding, than it is to divorce someone. Divorce is so complicated and so messy and so painful, even when it's not. Do you know what I mean? It's so much more complicated than you realize. I hope you're not even thinking about changing your name. I will smack your little bottom if you change your name. I think you need counseling and maybe get a, if you think he's a misogynist and he doesn't appreciate like your point of view as a woman or whatever, and he was not going to listen to a woman counselor, find a man. I know that can be hard sometimes on the NHS. It takes a long time, but if you can afford to pay privately, even like a student counselor, um, my mom was talking about this on her podcast. If you listen to my mom's podcast, Jewel says she has a counselor who's like a, teenager called Brandon is like the Doogie Hauser of psychologists and um, he's cheap cheap and cheerful but she likes telling Brandon all her like 60 year old lady problems and I think I smell a sitcom in the making um, yeah you need to talk to him about his conflict resolution style because that without a lot of work won't change and it will present yourself in other areas of your marriage and it is not acceptable the next email Oh, Catherine, I'm going to stay anonymous, but I felt compelled to write you. Thank you and Bobby K so much for laying down the truth to that woman who has the jealous boyfriend. I could relate to Bobby because in my case, the jealous asshole was a woman. Okay, so last week we had a listener who wrote in saying that her boyfriend was jealous and he was um, really gaslighting her, making her feel like she was doing something wrong in social situations where she was having fun. And Bobby was in a relationship like that. He weighed in on the podcast and he said that he's also felt like that in the past, that he couldn't be himself or that if he spoke to anyone at a party, he had to pay for it. You know, there was conflict afterwards with his partner. <clears throat> so am I, which isolated me more. Okay, lesbians. In those days, being gay could have serious ramifications, so I couldn't bounce any of this off my friends. But there is no fixing jealous. I was told that trust needed to be earned by me. Fucking hell, it was my first serious relationship. She wore me down so much with all the head fucking that I honestly didn't know what was normal anymore. There was no amount of rule following that was ever enough. I went to work and came straight home, and I still got accused of screwing around. She would show up randomly to my work to check on me and would often start calling in the afternoon to ask when I was coming home. Here's the next step you need to warn this woman about. If she tries to talk to her partner about it, he might be able to white-knuckle it long enough to appear normal, especially if the threat of ending the relationship is on the table. I briefly went through this phase. I really thought she'd heard me, but then when she couldn't hold it in anymore, it escalated to even worse verbal abuse and actual physical abuse. So this woman who wrote in needs to get the hell out now. A quick I'm done. Otherwise, he'll work and work and work on her until she agrees to give him a chance. This cannot be a discussion. I agree. I agree. Yep. You can, these people will be like, well, I blah, 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 blah. No. And I don't even like to give them the I'm done. When you're done, you're done. Silence is a universal language. Thank you for your letter. 
Well, that is all the time we have today for this edition of Holiday Secret Wedding Mauritius, telling everybody everything. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for your letters. Joanne, thank you for your work on the podcast. I think people are really enjoying writing you and sending special messages to Joanne. (laughs) Um, I'm glad that I can involve the whole family in the podcast. I got to start making more phone calls again. Truth be told, I'm in different time zones. I call the family. They're not awake. But um, there is a thirst, I think, to have my mom, my sister Carrie, and even my dad back on the podcast, in addition to Joanne doing the emails. So thank you so much. Please listen to the charity episode, Falling Down the Stairs. Once again, Fena and I were not hurt. If you want to write me an email, it's telling everybody everything at gmail.com. I will see you next week.